Hey there, I'm Donnie Spano, and this is Faith for Today. So thankful that together we can come and we can increase in faith, which is going to increase in pleasing God. Are you excited about that? I know I am. Praise God. Let's go ahead and get into our uh, Bibles. We're going to go to chat. Uh, let's look at, I want to say we're going to go to 1 Corinthians, no, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Verses 1 through 4. And in, this, uh, in these days, we've been looking at great grace. Great grace, which is something that was characterized in the early church. And it has not left. God has been gracious towards us. He has poured out upon us and has been rich in grace and abundant in grace towards us. And Paul gives insight that um, it's possible for that very grace to be to no use. It could, it could be like a piece of equipment or something. It can be left aside and nothing be done with it, and it be absolutely not useful to us at all. And as Christians, that's a big problem. If we have God's ability in these different ways and we're leaving it to no use, that's a problem. And so let's look together at 2 Corinthians 6. Thank you, Father. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 4. 2 Corinthians 6, verses 1 through 4. And we find here it says, We then as workers together with Him. This is why it's so important. If you and I are to fulfill God's plan for our life, we're going to have to not only receive God's grace, but learn to put it to work. Learn to have faith, confidence in God's ability in and through us and put that to work. Now, we can't put it to work if we don't trust we have it. Just like a piece of equipment, if you don't have it, maybe you're, you're going to do something in the kitchen, but you don't have that, uh, that blender. You don't have that way to whip that. You don't have the utensil, the, what it takes to get the job done. Well, then you're not going to do it. You first have to have it. You first have to have, say you have it and you don't know where it's at. You're like, oh man, I thought I put that in that drawer. It's not there. Well, then you're not going to do it because you don't know where it is. You don't know that you have it. it there's times where it's amazing. There have, been, there have been people that have gone without year after year after year. And come to find out they had something set aside in the very place they were living. So they're living like a pauper. And yet they had this great wealth the whole time. Didn't even realize they had it. That is a shame. And I don't like using that word very much. But that, you went your whole life long. And could have been, could have enjoyed, could have been more comfortable and made others more comfortable. And it just was nothing. It didn't work for you. I, I find that hard. I don't like hearing that. Um, so here in 6, I'll give you time to get there. Verse 1, <clears throat> we then as workers together with him, so God has a work for you and I to do with him. We beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain to no use, which means it can be done. And it continues and says, for he says, I have heard you in a time accepted. And in the day of salvation have I succored you. Behold, now is the accepted time. 
Behold, now is the day of salvation. So today, He wants you delivered. Today, He wants His grace to abound and it make the difference in your life so that what's trying to cause you to fail will not prevail. And you'll come up and over and you'll succeed to His glory. And He continues in the third verse and says, Giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. Why has offense been able to go as far as it has? Why have there been feuds? Why have there been divisions, church splits? Why has this happened and, and been able to prevail over the years? Because the grace of God has been received in vain. If the grace was abounding, if, if men and women have learned and grown in this knowing that they have God's grace and they can live in such a way that God's ability will work in their lives, then they would have been able to get out of this. They would have found the way out. They would have found the way to make amends and make things right. And there wouldn't have been an offense that the enemy could have used to divide and destroy. And it causes so that the ministry, the service that is provided, it's not blamed. When it's looked at afterwards, it's found good, it's found pleasing, it's found acceptable and perfect before God Himself. That is picture of good representation of the Lord Jesus and of God the Father. And when you and I as Christians walk away from a work, something He told us to do, and God looks back on it and goes, that was perfect. This can actually happen in our lives time and time again. And what it is, is that grace has come to us and we've allowed God to have His way through us because we realized it, we laid hold on it, and we put it to work in our life. And he continued and said, uh, but in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God. So the grace of God is going to prevent, give no offense. It's going to give no place for an offense to work. And the, another aspect is that it will cause us to be approved as ministers of God. The grace of God, God's very ability in our lives, will be something that will put us, as we go through the test, it will come out on the other end approved. And anything you and I utilize, the very chair I'm sitting in and what you're relying upon there for comfort, that has been approved. They didn't just put it together and go, well, I hope this works. They, that is not sound judgment, and we don't do business like that. So it goes through a trying process. And in that trying process, what happens? These things were known to be approved. And that's what God is endeavoring for us. But how does it come? It doesn't come just by having the grace. It comes by putting the grace of God to work in our lives. And we're going to look at knowledge today. Knowledge. There's God's very ability that comes to us that causes you and I to know what others endeavor to. And people can spend year upon year studying and trying to get these things. When grace gives knowledge, it comes to you. It's a gift. It's a revealing. You didn't work. You didn't spend countless years getting to know that. God just gave it to you. 
This is great grace. And we're going to look at this. But we see here this great grace that's on our lives. It causes us to give no offense in anything. It causes us to approve ourselves as the ministers of God. The fourth verse says, in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses. And it goes on. But essentially, you see, no matter what the circumstances, we are found to be approved as God's people, as people he can use. Now, let's look together in uh, 2 Corinthians. We'll stay in that region. uh, Chapter 8, verse 7. Actually, do this with me. I want you to go to 1 Corinthians 2. 1 Corinthians 2, and I'm going to read to you 2 Corinthians 8, verse 7, that one verse. So you go to 1 Corinthians 2, verse 7, and we'll go through verse 12 to start. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Yes, sir. I hope you're excited about these days. These are days that God has us, his people, in prominent position for this prime time. (laughs) Hallelujah. So I'm going to read to you here. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 7 says, Therefore, as you abound, how does God want his grace to be in our life? Come on, wake up on me now. How does he want his grace in your and my life? He doesn't want us to have just a little bit. He wants us to abound in His grace. He is abundant towards us in His grace. He doesn't pour out upon us in great measure so that just a little bit gets in. He wants for there to be so much grace on our lives, it spills out, it floods out, and we know beyond, you know, and we'll get into this, the knowing and the, the speaking, the things we've covered, the trust in God, the great faith that He gives us, every aspect of His grace is for what He has called us to do. So He's not going to give me knowledge about every little thing in your life. That's not my business, nor is it yours and mine. But if I'm required to do it, if you're required to do it, then you can expect to what? To know everything you need to know about that. And it's not because you spent all the time researching. It's because God gave it to you. He showed it to you. He made it known to you. Hallelujah. So he said, uh, as you abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence, we covered that, and in your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also. Hallelujah. So now I'm caught up with you, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 7 through 12. And it says, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world to our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. So this is not worldly wisdom. The rulers and the wise men of the age didn't know it, and it's going to tell us why we can say And it said, For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. You know, Satan thought it was a good idea to take God's son and put him to death, a criminal's death. He thought this was the end of the age. He thought this was the end of Christianity. He didn't realize that when that seed went into that ground and it 
died. It caused life in that soil that sprouted out and we got Christian upon Christian upon Christian on fire for God, full of the Spirit. The Spirit of God just came on Jesus in that place and abode upon Him. Now, it's on all... I shouldn't say it that way. Thank you for your help, Father. I'm excited. He is on all of us as we receive Him. He's in all of us. You have the Helper, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the Advocate. You, you need someone to speak on your behalf? You got Him. He's there. You don't need to go... You got the counsel and the counselor. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. He is with us. And it says, uh, so they crucified the Lord of glory, not knowing. Ninth verse says, but as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. Well, it doesn't stop there. Aren't you glad it doesn't? Tenth verse says, But God has revealed them to us, to you and I, by His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Hallelujah. For what man knows the things of man save the Spirit of man which is in him, even so the things of God knows no man but the Spirit of God. We have received not the spirit of the world. This is talking to believers, to Christians. We've not received a worldly spirit, but the spirit which is of God. Why? Why? That we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. He is not trying to hide his things from us. He is making it clearly and freely known what pertains to us, what He's given to us. Now let's look in verse number 14. But the natural man receives not, or you could say does not receive, the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Neither can he know them because they're what? They are spiritually discerned. So this knowing, it's not natural. It's not of the flesh. It's not of man. It is of God. It is of spirit, which is why we should not mock spiritual things. If we don't understand all of what's going on in something, we should not mock it before we investigate it, before we seek and ask God ourselves, is that you? I'm serious. Because you can't mock spiritual and then endeavor to receive more from that way. You're opposing it with one hand and trying to receive it from the other. It doesn't work. You won't go far. Thank you, Father. Now let's go together. Well, go to verse 16 while we're there in that same chapter. And it says, For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But what? But we have the mind of Christ, the mind of the anointed one, the mind of the one in, yes sir, in fellowship with the Spirit of God. 
the Spirit of God came on Jesus and it caused him to be influenced of him. And you and I are under his influence as well if we'll yield. And as we go in his way, we will have that mind that will know what others don't. It will see what others don't. Hallelujah. Which means it will do what others don't. It will say what others can't. It is because of great grace. And it is for us today. Now let's go together to... Yes, sir. Okay. Go to John the 10th chapter. John 10. Yes, sir. What about that? Hallelujah. John 10. We start seeing what many may already know to some degree about the good shepherd. God is, Jesus is, the good shepherd. Um, I'm going to read to you from Mark 4, verse 11. I want you to just listen to this. Um, and uh, he said to them, again, this is Mark 4, 11, but you're there. And he said to them, thank you, Father. He that has ears to hear, I'm sorry, he said, let him hear. 11th verse said, and he said to them, unto you it's given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to them that are without, all these things are done in parables, that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. So it was right before their eyes, but they missed it. They, it came right to their ears, but they didn't hear it. How often is this happening? That the answer is right there, right before us, and we completely miss it. Why? Because of not tapping into the knowing that is ours. And it's right there, but it takes us knowing it, having faith mixed with it. The Word of God in any way. If it's not mixed with faith, if you and I don't trust God in it, it will not work. It works if you believe it. If you don't, it won't. It's that simple. Now here, let me catch up with you. I see we got it up on the screen for you. It is John 10, and we're going to look at verses 4 and 5 to start. Hallelujah. Thank you. Let me catch up with you. John 10, 4 and 5. And we see here, And when he puts forth his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him. Why? For they know his voice. There's knowledge in this. Fifth verse, And a stranger will they not follow. Why? Why will they not follow a stranger, but will flee from him? For they know. They have knowledge. They know not the voice of strangers. It's a good comfort for you and I. If we had no knowledge of that thing, no knowledge of doing that, no knowledge of saying that, then we're not responsible for that at all. Why do I say that? There will be, be many people that will come up to us and expect that we should have done something about that, should have said something, should have... Why weren't you there? You know they brought this to Jesus when Lazarus was, was dead. They said, if you had been here, he had not died. What are they saying? Jesus, you should have been here. 
they don't realize it, I think, to the full extent, but they're saying, Jesus, you miss God in some way. Because if you were here, this would not have happened. But Jesus did know. He knew that was going on. He knew that it was for the glory of God, he said. He knew that he slept, but that he was going to rise from the dead. He knew. And he could only do with what he knew. And it's no different for you or for me. We can only do with what we see. We can only do with what we know. And so if we know nothing about it, how much do we have to do there? Nothing. It's, it's very simple. We need to keep it simple. <laughs> Thank you, Father. So they knew His voice. Now let's look at verse number, yes sir, Okay, 14, hallelujah. And verse 14 says, Jesus is saying this, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am what? Known of mine. Jesus said, I know mine and I'm known of mine. Are you his? Sheep, are you his? Then you're known of him, but you also know him. You know his voice. You know his way. This is great grace that you and I know the perfect way. If we know the strange way and flee from it, then we're missing destruction time and time again which means time and time again, we don't get robbed from, we don't get killed and destroyed. It just doesn't work on us and on ours. What is this? It is great grace because we know. We know. We know better. Hallelujah. Verse number 27, let's look at that. And verse 27 says, again, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice. So it's not supposed to be unordinary. It's supposed to be a common thing that you and I hear his voice and know his voice. And he continued and said, and I know them and they follow me. Praise God. These are aspects of great grace. Now let's look together at John 14 verse 7. So just go a couple of chapters over. Praise you, Lord. 14, verse 7. Yes, sir. Hallelujah. I don't want you missing. I don't want to leave you without giving it all to you. Yes, sir. Okay, I'll come back to that. Um, so John 14, verse 7, it, it reads, If you had known me, you should have known my father do you know jesus then you know god the father do you know god the father hallelujah then you know his voice then you know his way then you have his great grace in knowing all you need to know and he continues and from henceforth you know him and have seen him now let's look at verse number 
17, and then we'll look at verse 20. So verse 17 says, Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. So he was saying, uh, if we love him, we'd keep his commandments, and he'd pray the Father, and he'd give us another comforter, another meaning like Jesus. And the Holy Spirit, he said, that he may abide with you forever. And now in the 17th verse, he said, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. This is, when we're talking about this great grace, this is a distinguishing factor between us and the world. Because it's going to separate us that we know what they don't. That we do what they can't in a way that they can't. That we speak like they don't. This great grace is a separating factor between the church and the world. But if we leave it unuseful, We've received it, but it's sitting there. We're not feeding our faith on it. We're not coming as a project comes up and we think, how in the world is this going to happen? And we don't minister forth faith and say, thank you, Lord. I'll know all I need to know about this. I'll say it the right way. Got an interview coming up. Thank you, Lord. It's going to be so easy. I'm going to know just how to respond to these questions. Thank you for making it easy. I'm tapping in. Do you see that? Right there, when you're thanking Him for what? For knowing what to say and knowing how to say it, you're tapping in to trust that He is providing, that He's giving the good thing that's needed for the task. And there are things like this that when I saw about doing something, it looked huge. And I, I was willing. And let's go, go with me. Did we read verse 20? I don't want to go too fast for you. Yes, sir, I'll, I'll continue. So he said, But you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. So the world cannot receive, it sees him not, neither knows him. The distinguishing factor, and this is why, you know, don't be upset if the world looks at you a little funny. They don't know him. If they knew him, they'd understand. But they don't know. They don't have great grace. That's why they're limited in what can be done. Which means what? You and I are not. You and I, when we tap into the grace of God, we're tapping into a limitless position. Not to just do as we please. But when He says do that, it doesn't matter how big it looks. It doesn't matter how much inexperience we have. We're tapping into the limitless nature of God himself. You want to find you do out beyond you ever have? Start feeding your faith in this way. Thank you, Father. Now, verse 20 says, At that day you shall know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. You shall know. You shall know it. Now, we're going to look, go with me to John 7. There's an aspect of this that this gives light to. John 7, verse 17 Thank you, Father. John 7, verse 17. I know we're coming close on time. John 7, 17 says, If any man will do his will, he shall what? He shall know of the doctrine of that teaching, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. What is the key to the knowing? It's the willingness. 
this willingness of heart, the willingness to go whichever God, whichever way God chooses, it opens to know whatever you and I need to know. Now go with me to 1 John chapter 2, in closing, I believe. 1 John 2, 18 through 20. First John 2, 18 through 20. Thank you, Father. Aren't you glad you know? It's wonderful. And it's actually, yes, sir, a comfort for the world around you. Because when they don't, when your neighbor doesn't know and you do, you have what's needed to protect them. Jesus said that the kingdom was like the mustard seed that went in and it sprouted out greater than any tree and then the world started coming habitating underneath it. This is the position he puts us in. That the world comes to nestle under what God places in our life. Now, first John, I'm catching up with you. I'd take another five minutes if I could. But that's alright. God's given us more than enough time. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 1 John 2.18, I said. And he says here, little children, so you don't have to be very mature to have this working in your life. It is the last time, and as you have heard, that Antichrist shall come. Even now are there menti against Christ, Antichrist, whereby we know that it is the last time. If it was the last time thousands of years ago, are we there today, my friends? Yes, we are. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out, that they might be made manifest, or you could see it in expression, that they were not all of us. But you, oh, thank you, Lord. But you have an unction, a knowing from the Holy One. And you know all things. All things you need to know, all things that pertain to you. We know it. It is great grace. Praise God. Thank you, Father. Come back for more. We have more to see, and we're going to continue on a daily basis to grow in faith for today. We love you. We bless you. We will see you soon.